0: Faith is an inner conviction of one's purpose and value that inspires extraordinary effort and significant fruitfulness. This message is the second in the series "Runway." The message is entitled "Increase Your Faith." Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're involved in a series of messages we started last week and call "Runway." and how you and I can take our lives to the next level by adjusting our attitudes. I want to talk to us this weekend about increasing your faith, increasing your faith. I'd like to start by asking you a question. I want you to think about this in your own life just for a moment. What do you want your life to be? Not what is your life, but what do you really want your life to be? In three years from now, or five years from now, or ten years from now, what do you hope to be in terms of your character? Not just what you hope to be doing, but who do you hope to be as a person And chances are, one of the main things would be standing in the way of who you are today compared to who you'd like to be three years or five years from now or one year from now has to do with your attitudes. Because your attitudes, my attitudes are perhaps the single most important thing in life that allow us to either succeed or, if you will, fail in life. Your attitudes are your best assets or your attitudes are your worst liabilities, And so when it comes to living the life that God wants us to live, we have to make an adjustment of our attitudes. We'll never get where we need to be without adjusting them. We'll never take off and soar into the land that God has for us, the destiny God has for us without making these adjustments. And an attitude is something we don't think about very often. We all have them, but we don't really think about what they are. And so an attitude I want to define for you today so you'll understand what it is and how it works in your life because most often our attitudes are something that we're we're not sensitive to, we're not always conscious of, but your attitude really is your mindset about something. It's the way you think about something, and by reason of the way you think about something, it's how you then feel and act toward it. It's what you carry around inside of you, related to people, other people, your attitude toward them, your attitude toward God, your attitude toward yourself, your attitude toward life. It is your mindset, because mindsets create emotions. And so Adjusting attitudes involves adjusting mindsets. It's been said that your attitude is sort of like either a fragrance you carry with you or an odor that is about you. And oftentimes we have this odor that is kind of permeating from us and we don't realize why we're repelling people, but we're repelling them because of the odor of our attitude. Or sometimes we can attract people into our world, into the influence that God wants us to have by this attitude of fragrance, this pleasant part of us that, again, pulls people into not only our relationship with God, but hopefully a relationship with God themselves as well. But your attitude is important. And the Bible talks quite a bit about attitudes. Paul, the New Testament apostle in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, gives us these words. Throw off, talking to believers like you and me, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and... That is one of the works of the Holy Spirit in your life as you're growing as a Christian is that God wants to get down into the inner workings of your mind, the inner workings of your soul, and He wants to adjust or renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Peter talks about this as well with the passage that I introduced to you last weekend that will be the theme for our series together. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8. through 8. Listen to how he describes the kind of attitudes that need to be in the life of a believer. For this very reason, make every effort Let us work hard to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, or brotherly kindness, one translation says, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities, or if you possess these attitudes, if you possess Think this way. If you live your life with these being the characteristics of your your personality, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that is, they're continuing to grow, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, if you want to take off and take your life to the next level, you need to work on your attitudes. Because when you do, as it's said in the New Living Translation, the more you grow like this, the more productive And useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think all of us would agree today that we want to be productive and we want to be useful to God. And to be productive and useful, we need to adjust attitudes. And when your attitudes start improving, listen closely, your attitudes start improving just slightly. The slightest improvement in your attitude causes your stock to rise. Every time you make an improvement in some attitude of your life, your stock goes up. Your usefulness to God goes up. Your your capacity to be an influence to other people in a positive way begins to increase. And so we want to have this in increasing measure. So over these next several weeks, I'm going to talk to you about the eight attitudes that will take your life to the next level. What are they? Peter gave them to us here. We saw them a moment ago, but we're going to start with the first one today. And the very first one, Peter says... For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. He says, it begins, everything begins with faith. Faith is the foundational attitude for every other good attitude in your life. If you don't develop your faith, you'll miss out on all the other aspects of attitude development. Jesus was very big on teaching us about faith. Many times Jesus brought us to the attention of the importance of developing our faith. In fact, to two blind men, Jesus said one day in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. The old translation says, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So we must understand that faith is important. Faith is the foundational attitude that will move you forward in life. Faith is essential. So let's talk today about faith. I want to start by defining faith for you so you'll understand what faith is. A lot of people say, you know, Pastor, faith thing, you know, I don't really have a lot of that. It seems like other people seem to have more of that than I do, and I'm not sure I could ever develop faith. Yes, you can, because faith is really very simple. Faith is trusting in or having confidence in God. It's believing that he exists. It's believing that his word is true. Believing that God exists and believing that his word is true. That's the simplicity of faith. It's believing the precepts of God's word, his laws. It's believing the principles of God's word, the, the, the way that we're to live. It's believing the promises of God's word. It's simply believing, God, I believe that you exist. I believe that your word is true. And here's what happens. When you begin to exercise faith, your faith begins to grow. If your faith is small right now, that's okay. Because all you need to do is get in the spiritual gym and work out your faith a little bit and it'll start to grow. Everybody has the capacity to develop faith. I'm going to share with you three things about faith today that you need to be aware of. And this is why faith is so important, of a, such an important attitude for your life. Number one, faith is the force that will move you forward. Faith is the force that will move you forward. We're using the analogy of a runway, and if you've ever gone, obviously all of us have, we've seen planes take off on a runway. You've noticed this that planes always take off moving forward, not in reverse. I've never seen a plane go down a runway tail first, they always go down a runway nose first. Why? Because they realize for that airplane to take off, there has to be a forward direction, a forward propulsion. That is, there has to be the, everything that sets in motion, the principles of aerodynamics, and you can't do that tail first. You can only do that head first. You can only do it nose first. And the only way that you're going to get off the ground and take your life to a new level, a new level of living, is you need a force that will propel you forward. You need a force that will help you to overcome the spiritual and emotional and and, and relational gravity in your life that will pull you up and get you forward. And faith is always a forward force. Faith always moves people forward. Real faith will never take you backward. Real faith will always take you forward. Now, here's the problem. A lot of us are trying to go forward, but our focus is backwards. We say, I'd like to go to the next level. Yes, I want to live my life that way. Yeah, I want to soar with God. But the way you live your life really sets you up for failure in that regard, because instead of looking forward, you're looking backward. You're thinking about all the regrets you have in your life, and all of us have regrets, things that we say, I wish I'd done this differently. Sometimes we're thinking about the shameful things of our life, the things that we haven't done well, the mistakes that we've made along our journey. We feel shame and condemnation. Sometimes we're living a life of blame. We're angry about something that's happened to us, and so we live a life always pointing our finger at somebody that hurt us along the way and holding on to those hurts. Sometimes we're holding on to disappointments of something that happened last year or five years ago or ten years ago we were looking backwards. Sometimes it's all about the grief we're carrying with us that we've not processed or worked through. But a lot of people want to go forward but they're trying to take off in the plane tail first instead of head first. And faith comes along and begins to adjust you in the way that you think. And faith begins to make you uh, think differently, to look at life differently, to look at God differently, to look at other people differently. It gets you from the backward focus to a forward focus. Faith always moves you forward. There's some statements that are on your notes I'm going to ask you to read together with me in these next few moments. There are five statements under this point that I want us to really get into our system today. I want you to know that God loves you, that God's grace is extended to you, and because God loves you and God's grace is extended to you, and God invites you then to believe in His love and believe in His grace, and when you do, this is how you can begin to move forward. Here's some statements that you need to rise up and declare. Would you read them together with me aloud and loudly? Here we go, all campuses. Here we go. What has been in my life is not going to determine what will be in my life. That's the first statement of faith. If I'm going to go forward, I'm going to make this statement that what has been in my life is not going to determine what will be in my life. There's a lot of has been in my life. How about you? Okay. A lot of stuff that has been. Not Not all of it's been pleasant, but I'm going to make a declaration by faith and say, and I want you to make that declaration by faith and say, you know what? There's been some has been in my life, but what has been is not going to determine what will be in my life. Number two, read with me together aloud and loudly. My past failure will not define my future. Amen? But you're making a statement today that I'm going forward. I I want to take off to a new level. So my past failures are not going to define my future. Listen, failure is an event. It is not a label. Yes, all of us have failed at times, but you don't need to carry the label of failure around with you. It's simply something that has happened in your life, and it does not need to define what your future will be. The third one, before we read it together, there's one correction that needs to be made. If you'll notice the word in that uh, third statement, rot, you want to change that word from rot to rob. It was a typo, okay? And rot doesn't work very well right there, okay? So you got the change from the T to a B. Are you ready? Now read it aloud and loudly. My disappointments will not rob me of my God-desired destiny. Wow, I'm preaching this morning to somebody, okay? Everybody has disappointments in life. And if you're not careful, those disappointments will hang over you from your past and tell you, you're never going to be what God wants you to be. You're never going to get to where God wants you to get. And they'll lay upon your soul in a heavy way, like gravity pressing you down and keeping you from hitting the runway and taking off in life. But you've got to come to the place of saying, my disappointments are not going to rob me of my God-designed destiny. Joseph in the Old Testament was a man that exemplified this. If anyone ever had disappointments, Joseph did. He had a dream given to him by God that he was going to be a ruler. And the next thing he knows, his brothers are selling him into slavery. The next thing he knows, he finds himself in prison. And here he is having all these disappointments. But Joseph held on to this God-designed destiny. And he made it because God said to him, you're going to get where I designed you to get to. I promise you, I will get you there. And Joseph, through the disappointments, ends up in his destiny as the prime minister of Egypt. The same is true for your life. Number four, read together with me. My past pain is not going to restrict the development of my potential. Everybody has pain. Everybody has it. There's not a single person in this room. I don't care who you are that you haven't gone through some kind of pain in your life. We all have it. And don't let your pain define you either. There are a lot of people who get so comfortable with their pain that their identity is in their pain. The only way they can think about themselves is, I'm just this painful person. I'm living in all this pain. And so they've defined themselves. Their identity is in their pain. That's why Jesus in, in John chapter 5, when he comes to the pool of Bethesda, he finds a man who's been there 38 years, who, who's, who's, in, who's sick, trying to get in the water. And the first thing that Jesus asks him is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to see a change in your life? Because so often we can get comfortable in our pain, but if you're going to go forward, you've got to make the decision to say, my past pain is not going to restrict the development of my potential, and then read number five together with me. I believe that together through Jesus Christ, my future is big, bright, and blessed. And we're going to read that again in just a moment, but when we read it, okay, Are you listening? When we read it, and we're going to say big, bright, and blessed, I want you to belt out big, bright, and blessed, okay? I want it to be so strong that I want to feel this roof shattering right here, shaking just a little bit. Are you ready? I'm not sure you're ready. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Read it again with me. I believe that through Jesus Christ, my future is big, bright, and blessed. Amen? Okay. That's faith, see? That's what faith... Are you beginning to feel your engines revving up a little bit? Okay, beginning, beginning to look down that runway and say, maybe I can take off after all, okay? See, this is what faith... It's an attitude. That's why Peter says, this is the first thing you've got to get established in your life before you add anything else. You've got to start with faith. It's a man of the Old Testament I love. His name is Jabez. His story is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, Verses 9 and 10. I want you to listen to this, this faith in Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Let's stop there for a moment. The name Jabez, you've heard me perhaps preach on this before, but the name Jabez in the Hebrew language literally means this. It means you cause pain. You're a pain. That's exactly what the name means. You're a pain. Think about that for a moment. That if your mother... When she gives birth to you. Says the only name I know to give you is Jabez. You are a pain. (laughs) From the very beginning of his life on earth. He was labeled being a pain. Okay. We don't know the reason she gave him that name. Perhaps she had physical problems giving birth to him maybe she was in an emotional turmoil we'll never hear anything about Jabez's dad so it seems as though the dad was out of the picture so maybe it was an emotionally traumatic time for the mom we don't know exactly what's going on but we do know that she was in such pain that she named her baby boy Jabez you are a pain okay she labeled him those words now notice now if you had been labeled by your mother from birth you're a pain what would you have done You'd have a lot of excuse to fail, wouldn't you? A lot of excuses. I'm starting out behind the eight ball. Man, my mom don't even like me, okay? I mean, folks, when your mom doesn't like you, you're in trouble, okay? <laughs> you can usually at least count on mom loving you, right? But here's the situation where Jabez finds himself in this kind of turmoil. And note what Jabez does. I want you to get this because we're talking about faith. Jabez, instead of living in his misery, instead of living in his pain, Jabez did what? He cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. He said, God, I believe that you can turn this around for me. I believe that whatever I've had in life, it has been, but this is not going to define who I'm going to be. So God, I'm asking you to turn this around. I know what my name is, but I also know who you are. And he cries out to God, and the Bible says, and God granted his request. Dear ones, know today that faith is the force that will always move you forward. It never takes you backward. It always moves you forward. There's a second thing I want to share with you today. Faith is confidence that gives us courage and strength for today. It's confidence that will give you the courage and strength for today. All of us understand the weights of the past, how they can hold us back. But it's also true that stuff going on right now today can weigh you down. There's some of you that are sitting here this morning in one of our campuses, you're saying, you know, Pastor, it's not so much my past that's giving me a problem, it's my present that's giving me a problem. It's what's going on with me right now in this moment. I've got some stuff going on. I've got some problems, some challenges, some obstacles. I've got some things I don't know how to deal with. And, and, and right now is when I'm hurting. And real faith is not just an emotional rah-rah about your future. That's awesome, Okay. But it's a very real, true, solid substance. Faith is a substance that's designed to give you the guts and the grit to deal with every day. Faith gives you the guts to deal with every day and the grit to deal with every day of your life. It's what links you to the presence and the power and the promises of God in this moment right now, in this season right now, in this circumstance right now, in this situation that you're in right now. Faith says, you know what, I've got something now for the present. Not just somewhere out there in the future, but I've got something right now for this moment in my life. I've got confidence And there are three statements on your note. notes I want you to read together with me. That when you begin to have this kind of faith about God helping you in the present, then you begin to make statements like this that are declared there. You begin to declare, number one, read with me, God is bigger than my problems. Come on, say it again. God is bigger than my problems. Do you believe that today? Okay. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you don't know how big my problems are. It doesn't matter how massive your problems are. God is bigger than your problems. Okay. There's not a problem you have in your life that God is not capable of handling in your life. God is bigger than your problems. Read number two with me. God will help me with my problems. You've got to know that not only is God big, but God is able to help you with everything you're going through in your life right now. God is the ultimate helper for your journey. And then read number three with me. Whether it's a breakthrough or a walkthrough, I'm going to get through my problems. Now, I like that. Even though I wrote it, I like it, okay? I want to break that apart. Whether it's a breakthrough or a, come on, church, help me out, a walkthrough, what am I going to do? I'm going to get through my problem. Now, what does that mean? It means this. Whether it's a breakthrough. What is a breakthrough? A breakthrough is you've got a problem right now, and you pray, and you ask God for help, and He miraculously delivers you. One moment, you've got a problem. The next moment, you don't have the problem because of a miracle. And God is still the God of miracles. There's some of you today that you're getting ready for a breakthrough in your life, okay? There's a moment when something changes because God stepped in and did something for you. How many of you can testify this morning by the uplifting of your hand that you've seen God do a breakthrough at some point in time in your life? Yeah, something going on one moment, and God stepped in, and He did a miracle. I can testify to breakthroughs, but not everything in life is going to happen by a breakthrough, whether it's a breakthrough or a, what's the next phrase, a walkthrough. Sometimes in life, everything doesn't just break through immediately. Sometimes you've got to walk through it, okay? When you walk through it, see, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it wasn't a breakthrough, it was a, a walkthrough. Now, understand something. A walkthrough means God's going God's to gonna help you make the journey through it, okay? It's not that God doesn't want to do a miracle, but sometimes the greater miracle is not the change that happens in your circumstance, it's the change that happens in you, okay? It's what God is doing in you as you're walking through it. Because as you walk through something, God is building muscles in you. He's changing you on the inside. And sometimes you don't need a breakthrough, you need a walkthrough. But here's the confidence. Whether it's a breakthrough or a walkthrough, I am going to get through my problem, okay? Whatever it is. So this is faith that says, God is with me in the now. Not just somewhere out there in the future, God is with me in the now. In Matthew chapter 14, there's a story that you're familiar with, it's a story of the disciples in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus has stayed back. He'd been praying, and so he was not with them in the boat. But in the fourth watch of the night, the Bible says that Jesus comes walking to them on the water. You know that story, right? So here comes Jesus walking on the water, and they don't know who it is. They think, oh, who is that? That's a ghost. We don't know what that is. And finally, they figure, maybe it's the Lord. And so Peter says, Lord, if that's you, ask me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, come, Peter. I'm sure Peter was questioning his statement, earlier statement at that point, like, ugh, maybe I got myself in trouble here, okay? But you know the story. What did Peter do? He found his way over that boat side, and he stepped onto the water, and by a miracle, listen, this is not a fable. This is a real story. It happened, because Jesus is Lord over nature, He's Lord over nature. So Peter stepped on that water, and it became solid underneath him, and he starts walking toward Jesus, and a journey toward the master. And at some point in time, there was a change in Peter's focus. You remember that? Instead of looking at Jesus, he started looking at what was happening in the now. He started looking at his situation. What is his situation? Wind and waves. That was real, okay? The wind and the waves were all around him. And so he turns his eyes from Jesus and begins to look at the situation that is around him. And of course you know the story, Peter immediately began to sink. He began to sink into his present circumstances. There's somebody here today, one of our campuses, maybe in this room right now, and you feel like you're sinking in the midst of your circumstance right now. That you're walking along and it seemed like things were going to go okay, but suddenly you got your eyes off Jesus, fear got a hold of you, and you, you feel like you're going down. Here's the good news, Jesus was still right there with him, okay? And so there was this moment that Peter realized, I've got my eyes off of Jesus. And Peter then, Jesus then reaches back out to Peter and says, grab my hand, Peter. And there was the moment when there was that restoration of faith and Jesus got him back in the boat again. But Peter learned a lesson there that day. He learned that Jesus is present when I'm facing a problem in my life. He's always present in every problem. Okay? Are you hearing me today? Jesus is always present even in the problems of your life. He's right there. He has not left you. He's asking you to reach your hand out and take hold of Him. He will get you back in the boat. Whether it's a breakthrough or a walk through, I am going to get through my problem. Last point today. Faith is a compelling conviction. That inspires effort and increases fruitfulness. I'll give you a moment to write that down. It's a very important statement. A compelling conviction. Conviction is you're persuaded of something deep inside of you. And this compelling conviction called faith, it inspires effort. I'll talk more about that in a moment. And out of that effort, there comes increased fruitfulness. See, faith not only changes the way you think about your future... And it not only changes the way you think about your present, but change, faith also changes the way you live in the present, Okay, how you approach your present, the lifestyle you have, the way you go about your efforts, your work. Because this conviction, this compelling conviction inside of you, faith says every morning when you wake up, faith rises in your heart and says, you know what? I matter. My life matters to God. God has a purpose for my life. And when you wake up with this sense inside faith saying, I know that I matter to God. Would you say the phrase with me today? I matter to God. Come on, say it like you mean it. I matter to God. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you matter? Okay, You matter to God. Okay, You have a purpose for your life. And so when you wake up with this compelling conviction... I matter. I have something important to. God has an assignment for me every day of my life. And if you matter and you do, God has an assignment for you every day of your life. There's a work that He wants you to do. There's something that He wants you to accomplish. It might be the simple thing of blessing someone or encouraging someone along the way or helping someone out who is in need. It could be simple things or broader things, but what you must understand is that there's a purpose for your life, and your life matters, and so faith causes you to get up in the morning, and instead of saying, oh, Lord, it's morning, you say, good morning, Lord, okay? I've got to go after this thing. I've got to get busy doing what God's asked me to do, and whether anybody else notices me, whether anybody else pats me on the back, or anybody else tells me, good job, it really doesn't matter, because I'm not living for the applause of people, I'm living for the glory of God, okay? It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter who knows this is me. It doesn't matter what promotions I might get or I don't get or how many people think I'm awesome or don't think I'm so awesome. It really doesn't matter as long as I wake up every morning with a sense of faith and conviction. There's a purpose to my life. My life matters, and so I'm going to get busy doing the work that I need to be doing so that I can bring glory to God through my life, okay? Because what really matters is are you bringing glory to God through your life? James 2 verse 26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, faith without works, what is it? It's dead. So real faith always increases our work. It increases our efforts. And out of those efforts come greater fruitfulness. There are six statements I want you to read together with me. When you become a person of faith, here's what you begin to do. Number one, you begin to see Bigger possibilities. Your life begins to expand. You see bigger possibilities around you because your life matters. Number two, you have bigger goals. You know these skimpy little goals because you're serving a big God, okay? Number three, people with faith attempt bigger things, okay? I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna give it all that I got. Number four, people of faith put in greater effort. People of faith put in or demonstrate greater generosity. Let me show you why this is important. When you're a person of faith, you're gonna be a giver, that's who you're going to be because you live out of a sense of the, of the abundance of God instead of the scarcity of life, okay? See, people who don't have faith, they're always, oh, I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough. So I can't give because I'm afraid I won't have enough. People of faith says, I got to give because as I give, I'm, giving, I'm planting seed for the harvest that God has for my own life. As I give, I'm opening up the door for God to bring blessing to me. I cannot not give because God is a giver and I want to be like God. And so there's a generosity that begins to happen in your life when there's faith there. You're not living out of scarcity. You're living out of magnanimity. You're living out of, out of a sense of abundance that God's got enough to take care of you. Okay. God's up in heaven and so, oh, I just have a few pennies I hope they don't ask me too much Okay. God's got plenty He's got everything that you would ever need So generosity becomes a part of it Next one People of faith do what they expect Greater results They believe that when I get to work God's going to get to work with me Okay. When I use my faith God's going to show up in a big way and do something Let me conclude with one last story from the Bible I'm not going to read it for you But I'm going to tell the story to you You can read the story, Matthew 25. I'll paraphrase it. It's a parable. The word parable means a story that comes alongside a principle to help us understand. That's what the word parable means. Jesus brought his disciples together one day and said, let me tell you a story, a parable. There was a master, a man who owned a business, and he had three workers with him, and he called his workers in one day, and he said to his workers, I'm going to go away for a period of time. I want you to run my business while I'm gone and for you to run the business and to succeed in this business, I'm going to give you some resources. And to the first uh, guy, he says, you're, you're, you got a lot of ability. I'm going to give you five talents. While I'm gone, this is what you need to be working with. To the next guy, he says, you're, you're a great guy too. I'm going to give you two talents. This is what you need to be working with. And the last guy says, you know, you're, you're up and coming. I think you got some potential. Want we'll to see what you can do. He gives him one, okay? So everybody say five, two, and one. Five talents, two talents, one talent. The, the, the owner of the business goes away. I read about this in Matthew 25. Again, I'm paraphrasing this for you. Eventually, the owner of the business comes back. <clears throat> he has an employee meeting. His three employees come together and said, "Okay, guys, I want to check up on you. How did you do?" The guy with five, he could not wait to share the news with his, with his boss. He couldn't wait. Oh, oh, boss, you won't believe what happened. You gave me five talents, and while you were gone, I went to work, and I put my effort in. I did everything I could, and now we, I turned my five into ten. Here's your ten talents back. And do you do you remember, anyone here remember what the master, what the owner of the business said to that first guy in response to the ten? He said, well, Done, good and what? Don't run past that. Well done, good and faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to be full of faith. Okay? So this guy demonstrated his Faithfulness, or demonstrated his faith by taking what was given to him and using it. He put it to work, and he made something more out of it. Are you seeing that faith is not just about showing up; it's about doing something with your life? Okay. I'm just faithful. I show up. You might show up, but you don't do anything. Okay. Right. This is not about just showing up. It's about doing something with your life. And so he says, "Well done, good and faithful." The guy with two said, "Oh." How about me? Hey, can I talk to you? You know what? You gave me two, and here's four. The master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll make you ruler over much. And the guy with one, he's like, He's looking for the exit. Okay. And the guy comes to him, his boss comes in, and says, uh, what about you? I gave you one. Well. I I thought you were a hard guy. I knew you were pretty mean. So I didn't want to lose what you gave me. So I dug a hole and hid it. I didn't do anything with it. Here's your one back. Do you know what Jesus says the owner of the business said to that man? Some of the most straightforward words you'll find in anywhere in the New Testament. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. I gave you one, you didn't do anything. Take the one from him and give it to the guy with ten. Because this man did not demonstrate what? Faith, okay? When you get to heaven, what do you want to hear? What do we talk about wanting to hear more than anything else when you get to heaven? That when we breathe our last breath, and we cross over into the presence of Jesus. What do you hope to hear more than anything else? Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want to hear? Well, let me just bring some reality to that for a moment this morning. It's not a negative statement. It's a reminder. You will not hear well done unless you've done well. So the well done comes to those that take what's been given to them and they actually use their faith. And so real faith causes me to get up in the morning and say there's a purpose to my life. My life matters. There's something that I can do today. It doesn't matter if no one else sees it or appreciates it. I know that I'm going to do this for the glory of God. Whatever He's given me today in my hand, I'm going to go to work with it. I'm going to trust that He's going to inspire my effort and create fruitfulness with it that I'll bring honor and glory to Him with my life. Faith makes a difference. That's why Peter said start with faith. You'll never take off on the runway of life without faith. Faith says I'm moving forward into my future. Faith says my present, even though I may have some problems, I'm going to either see a breakthrough or I'm going to walk through but I'm going to get through whatever it is I'm facing in my life. And faith says, I'm going to rise up every day with a conviction in who God is and who He's called me to be that causes me to put in effort with my life and trust Him for fruitfulness from my life. Would you pray together with me today? Father, thank You for Your Word today. We're so grateful for the Word of God and how it comes alive to us. It helps us to think differently. And I pray for the renewing of our minds. I pray that in this series together, Lord, that You would help all of us to have a mindset, a shift in our thinking. And I pray that even right now, as we've heard this message today, Lord, I pray that there would be a a, a seismic shift in our thinking. I pray that we'd begin to be people of faith, that we would trust you for our future, that we'd trust you in the present, that we would rise up every day with renewed conviction about our lives and live differently because of who you've called us to be. Let faith grow in each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website just go to church-redeemer.org slash you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.